Good morning and welcome to the Proactive IT Cybersecurity Daily number 189. It is Monday, August 24th, 2020. I'm your host, Scott Gumbar, and let's talk about vishing. This podcast is brought to you by Nuage Tech, a client-focused and security-minded IT consultant based in Central Connecticut. You can visit us at nuagetech.com. That's N-W-A-J-Tech.com. All right, happy Monday. Welcome to another week and and more cybersecurity and compliance. Fun stuff to talk about. We'll call it fun stuff. Lots of stuff today. Wherever you listen to this, if you could like, share, comment, or review, we would greatly appreciate it, and we'll keep coming to you if you do that. And if you're in a HIPAA-compliant business, please go to Facebook or LinkedIn and or LinkedIn and type Get HIPAA Compliance into the search and join that group. We just uh, shared a very interesting article that I will talk about maybe on tomorrow's podcast. But for now, on ThreatPost, former Uber CSO charged with paying hush money in 2016 breach cover-up. Joseph Sullivan allegedly paid off $100,000 to hackers responsible for a 2016 data breach which, which exposed PII of 57 million passengers and drivers. PII being personally identifiable information, and that could be as simple as your name and address. Former Uber security executive has been charged for his role in the cover-up of a massive 2016 data breach in which attackers accessed the company's Amazon Web Services accounts and stole data associated with 57 million passengers and drivers. The U.S. State Attorney for the Northern District of California has charged Palo Alto, California resident Joseph Sullivan, 52, with obstruction of justice and misprision of a felony in connection with an attempted cover-up which occurred when Sullivan was Uber's chief security officer. The complaint alleges that Sullivan fraudulently paid off the hackers responsible via Uber's bug bounty program. United States Attorney David L. Anderson, who is prosecuting the case, castigated Sullivan's alleged behavior in a press statement saying that in the state we will not tolerate illegal hush money payments. Silicon Valley is not the Wild West, he said. We expect good corporate citizenship. We expect prompt reporting of criminal conduct. We expect cooperation with our investigations. We will not tolerate corporate cover-ups. In October 2016, two hackers gained access to Uber data stored on Amazon Web Services accounts using Uber software engineer credentials found on GitHub. And we talked about last week how some GitHub code has credentials hard-coded into the code. And so that's not, a, you know, that's not really a good thing. And stole a database that contained personally identifiable information associated with 57 million Uber users and drivers. The database included the driver's license numbers for about 600,000 people who drove for the online ride-hailing platform. Following the heist, the attackers effectively sent Sullivan a ransom email demanding a six-figure payment in exchange for his silence. According to the complaint, Sullivan ultimately paid them $100,000 in Bitcoin through Uber's bug bounty program, taking deliberate steps to conceal, deflect, and mislead the Federal Trade Commission about the breach, prosecutors claim. The federal complaint alleges an elaborate cover-up by Sullivan that involved deceiving not just the FTC, but also asking Uber employees to cover up information about the breach and the payout, as well as failing to inform officials about its scope. Uber CEO at the time, Travis Kalanick, was informed about the incident and the payout. At this time, he has not been charged in the case. Kalanick resigned his position in June 2017 after numerous scandals rocked his tenure at the company he founded. So 
not a good look as CSO. He's going to have a hard time finding a job now if he didn't. I don't know if he's got one now, but he'll he'll find he will have a hard time now because you um, covered up a breach. You you failed at your job is what it comes down to. Also on threat post, this is a little scary, but um, I guess not really unexpected. Researchers sound alarm over malicious AWS community AMIs. So if you not familiar with AWS, it's Amazon Web Services. You can spin up servers for whatever reason you really need, uh, other than um, you know hacking. They they don't allow you to do any hacking, but you could spin up a server, you know, like a Windows 2019 server or, or a Linux server, whatever you want. And some of the images that they have are community-based Amazon machine images. And so what that means is if you need a specific image with specific capabilities, it may already exist in a community marketplace. And so you can, if you, you know, need, let's say you need uh, a specific settings for a database and on a, you know, a specific type of database on a specific type of operating system, it may already exist. Um, and but it's all community based, so nobody really would know what's on there until you spun it up and and hopefully took a look. Malicious community Amazon machine images are a ripe target for hackers, say researchers, and also a lot of times these machine images might be outdated. It could be just as simple as there's you know the software on there is not up to date. Researchers are sounding the alarm over what they say is a growing threat vector tied to Amazon Web Services and its marketplace of pre-configured virtual servers. The danger, according to researchers with Mika Mitiga, is that threat actors can easily build malware-laced community Amazon machine images and make them available to unsuspecting AWS customers. The threat is not theoretical. On Friday, Mitiga released details of a malicious AMI found in a wild running an infected instance of Windows Server 2008. Researchers said the AMI was removed from a customer's Amazon Elastic Compute Cloud instance earlier this month, but is still available within Amazon's community AMI marketplace. The AMI in question was harboring a crypto miner generating Monero coins for unknown hackers on a financial institution's EC2 for the past five years. Mitiga said it notified Amazon of the rogue AMI on Tuesday, noting Amazon responded promising to a reply within five business days. Vulnerabilities of this sort pose significant risk as embedded code can potentially include malware, ransomware, or other type of attack tools, said Offer Moore, chief technology officer and co-founder of Israeli-based Mitiga. Amazon machine images come in two flavors and are available through the AWS marketplace. Amazon offers its own AMIs and those are pre-qualified partners. The AWS marketplace also includes tens of thousands of community AMIs, so those are the ones that, you know, might be of, of concern. These AMIs have less stringent pol policing and are often available at no or low cost. As the name suggests, they are created by community members. So now the concern in actual actually happened is that those AMIs may have um, malware on them or, or some type of malicious behavior because of them, you know, along those lines. But even more, you know, the other thing you got to watch out for is outdated software. So for example, I have light sale images that ha need updates on PHP. So I have to take those down, create new images, and then bring them back up. Um, but 
if you're going to use a community-based AMI, you need to do your homework and understand what you're getting in, involved in. First of all, I don't know why anybody would spin up Windows Server 2008. Anyway, it's 2020. Use 2016 or 2019. But anyway, um, something to think about. And you and you know, so don't go spinning up images and not looking to see what's on there. On the Hacker News, a Google Drive feature could let attackers trick you into installing malware. An unpatched security weakness in Google Drive could be exploited by malware attackers to distribute malicious files disguised as legitimate documents or images enabling bad actors to perform spear phishing attacks comparatively with a high success rate. The latest security issue of which Google is aware, but unfortunately left unpatched, resides in a managed version's <coughs> functionality offered by Google Drive that allows users to upload and manage different versions of a file, as well as in the way its interface provides a new version of the files to the users. Logically, the managed version's functionality should allow Google Drive users to update an older version of a file with a new version having the same file extension, but it turns out that's not the case. According to A. Nakachi, a system administrator by profession who reported the flaw to Google and later disclosed it to the Hacker News. The affected functionality allows users to upload a new version with any file extension for any existing file on the cloud storage, even with a malicious executable. As shown in the, there are some demo videos on here. As shown in the demo videos, which Nokachi shared exclusively with the Hacker News, in doing so, a legitimate version of the file that's already been shared among a group of users can be replaced by a malicious file, which, when previewed online, doesn't indicate newly made changes or raise any alarm. But when downloaded, can be employed to infect targeted systems. Google lets you change the file version without checking it if it's the same type, Nakachi said. This, they did not even force the same extension. Needless to say, the issue leaves the door open for highly effective spear phishing campaigns that take advantage of the widespread prevalence of cloud services such as Google Drive to distribute malware. Um, you know, this comes on the heels of there was uh, an issue reported last week with G Suite, um, G Suite being the business version of Google where you use your own domain. Um, they have patched that, but, um, you know, Google Google's People are finding vulnerabilities with Google in the last few, in the last, I'll say, two weeks. On Bleepy Computer, U.S. government warns remote, remote workers of ongoing phishing campaign, phishing being the voice version of phishing. Federal Bureau of, of Investigation and uh, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency issued a joint advisory war warning teleworkers of an ongoing phishing campaign targeting entities from multiple U.S. industry sectors. Vishing, also known as voice phishing, is a type of social engineering attack where the attackers impersonate a trusted entity during a voice call to manipulate their targets into revealing sensitive information. So if you recall the Twitter hack a couple weeks ago, this is what they did. In mid-July 2020, the cyber criminal started a vishing campaign gaining access to employee tools at multiple companies in indiscriminate targeting with the end goal of monetizing the the Access again, that's exactly what they did with the Twitter attack using vishing vished credentials. Cyber criminals mine the victim company databases for their customers' personal information to leverage in other attacks. According to the joint alert, the attackers are on very tight timeline given that they sold the stolen credentials very quickly after initially gaining access to the company's networks following a successful vishing attack. During these attacks, the 
Threat actors register domains used for phishing that clone the targeted company's internal VPN login pages, sites that were also able to harvest two-factor authentication or one-time passwords. Among the domain naming schemes employed to register do register domains used these attacks, SISTA and the FBI mentioned support-company, ticket-company, employee-company, company-support, and company-octa. Actors have Actors then compiled dossiers on the employees at the specific companies using mass scraping of public profiles on social media platforms, recruiter, and marketing tools, publicly available background check services, and open source research. Information collected included name, home address, personal cell phone number, position at company, and duration at company, the joint alert says. While at first the malicious actors used regular VoIP numbers called during calls made to targeted employees, cell phones that later switched tactics to spoof no the numbers of other company employees and offices to make the attacks more credible. Using social engineering, the attackers gained their targets trust, eventually convincing them to use maliciously crafted VPN login that required them to enter 2FA or OTP codes. The actor logged the information provided by the employee and, then, and used it in real time to gain access to corporate tools using the employee's account, the alert says. When they weren't able to convince the victims to approve the OTP or 2FA prompts, the actors behind this ongoing phishing campaign used a SIM swap attack to gain control of the cell phones and bypass 2FA and OTP authentication. The actors then used the employee access to conduct further research on victims and or fraudulently obtain funds using varying methods of dependent on the platform being accessed. Two U.S. government agencies also provided a collection of recommended measures targeting both organizations and employees that would help mitigate these ongoing vishing attacks. So I will tell you, I, um, well, I'll get into that. I, I'm going to post an Instagram. I'm sorry. A, I'm going to post a blog post probably this week on a vishing attack that was very specific in nature. Uh, and probably the, um, attackers had access to the victim's email, it sounds like. Um, but this is similar in nature, and this is similar also to what happened to Twitter and how they got inside Twitter's network and, uh, and access to their tools. So be wary of voice calls. You know, you can always hang up and call the person back to verify that they are who they are. Bleeping Computer WordPress WooCommerce stores under attack. Patch now. Hackers are actively targeting and trying to exploit SQL injection authorization issues and unauthenticated stored cross-site scripting security vulnerabilities in the discount rules for WooCommerce WordPress plugin with more than 30,000 installations. Discount rules for, Word for WooCommerce is a plugin that makes it simple to manage product pricing and discount campaigns on WooCommerce online stores. We have seen an influx of attacks against this vulnerability, primarily from IP address 45.140.167.17, which attempts to inject a script poponclick.info slash click.javascript into the WooCommerce before main content template book hook. WebArc CTO Dave Jong, who found the vulnerability, says this seems to indicate that they're attempting to target WooCommerce-based sites with this outdated plugin version installed. So if you have WooCommerce um discount rules plugin you need to patch it update it right away bleeping computer darkside new targeted ransomware demands million dollar ransoms a new ransomware operation named darkside began 
attacking organizations earlier this month with customized attacks that have already earned them million-dollar payouts. Starting around August 10th, the new ransomware operation began performing targeted attacks against numerous companies. In a press release issued by the threat actor, they claimed to be former affiliates who had made millions of dollars working with other ransomware operators. After not finding a product that suited their needs, they decided to launch their own operations. Darkside states that they only target companies that can pay the specified ransom as they do not want to kill your business. The threat actors have also stated that they do not target the following types of organizations. Hospitals and hospices, schools and universities, nonprofit organizations, and government sector. It is too soon to tell if they will honor the statement. From victims seen by bleeping computer, Darkside's ransom demands range from 200000 to $2 million. These numbers can likely be more or less depending on the victim. At least one victim's... One of the victims seen by Bleeping Computer appears to have paid a million-plus-dollar ransom. Like other human-operated ransomware attacks, when the dark side operators breach a network, they will spread laterally throughout a network until they gain access to an administrator account and the Windows domain controller. While they spread laterally, the attackers will harvest unencrypted data from the victim's servers and upload it to their own devices. This stolen data is then posted to a data leak site under the, their control and used as part of the extortion attempt. When data is posted to the leak site, the threat actors will list the company name, the date they were breached, and how much data was stolen, screenshots of the data, and types of stolen data. Darkside states if the victim does not pay, they will publish all the data on their website for at least six months. This extortion strategy is designed to scare a victim into paying the ransom even if they can recover the backups. If a victim pays the ransom, Darkside states they will remove the stolen data from the leak site. For the victim that had paid the ransom, their data has already been removed from the site. When performing attacks, DarkSide will create a customized ransomware executable for the specific company they are attacking. When executed, the ransomware will execute a PowerShell command that deletes shadow volume copies on the system so that they cannot be used to restore files. According to Advanced Intel's Vitaly Kremez, it then proceeds to terminate various database office applications and, an e and mail clients to prepare the machine for encryption. When encrypting a computer, DarkSide will avoid terminating certain processes so they do not terminate vmcompute.exe, vmms.exe, vmwp.exe, servicehost.exe, teamviewer.exe, and explorer.exe. Specifically, avoiding teamviewer is not common. If ever seen with ransomware, and could indicate that the threat actors are using it for remote access to computers, which would have been my first guess. Um, anyway, so there you have it, dark side ransomware attacks targeting larger enterprise type businesses that can afford million dollar ransoms. So if you are in IT or in some position to warn your enterprise corp company, you should probably do so. On Bleeping Computer, U.S. financial regulator warns of phishing sites impersonating brokers. We've seen this before, and here we go again. U.S. financial industry regulator authority, regulatory authority, sorry, FINRA, has issued a new regulatory notice warning members of threat actors of threat actors using registered brokers info to create phishing websites. FINRA is for a not-for-profit organization authorized by the U.S. government to regulate member brokerage firms and exchange markets and to defend American investors by ensuring that the broker-dealer industry functions honestly and equitably. According to FINRA, the organization oversees over 624,000 brokers across the U.S. and it analyzes billions of market events every day. 
The imposter websites mentioned in FinRes Alert are being used as phishing landing pages that will ask potential customers for personal information with the likely end goal of committing financial fraud. The websites reported to FINRA to date use the correct spelling of the representative's name, unlike some of the imposter firm websites FINRA observed last year that sometimes used common misspellings of a name or visually similar character substitutions, the the regulator says. Several FINRA member firms have observed the fraudsters establishing such phishing sites with multiple reports saying that the scammers are actively calling potential victims and directing them to their phishing pages. Besides obvious signs of phishing attempts like poor grammar, misspellings, odd or awkward phrasings, or misused financial services terminology, the imposter websites used in this campaign also include the following common features. They use the registered representative name as the domain name for the website. For example, first name, middle name, last name.com. They include a picture purporting to be the registered representative. They provide information about the registered representative's employment employment history, including prior employees, employers, CRD numbers, and examination history. They are asking individuals to fill out a contact form with the individual's names, email addresses, phone numbers, the subject of the inquiry, and space for a message. While no reports have mentioned this tactic being used yet, the the threat actors might also use the domains as part of an email-based phishing campaign with messages potentially delivering malware or embedded links redirecting targets to phishing sites. FINRA members are advised to report any incidents related to such imposter sites to the FBI, as well as to notify FINRA, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, or other securities or financial regulators of the phishing attempt. On Bleeping Computer, this actually happened last week. University of Utah hit by ransomware and pays $457,000 ransom. So the University of Utah has paid a $457,000 ransomware a ransom demand to prevent threat actors from releasing files stolen during a ransomware attack. In a data security incident notification posted today, the University of Utah, and this was on uh, Friday, University of Utah disclosed that they were attacked by ransomware on July 19th. On Sunday, July 19th, the university's College of Social and Behavioral Science was notified by the university's Information Security Office of a ransomware attack on CB- CSBS computing servers. servers. Content on the compromised CSPS servers was encrypted by an unknown entity and no longer accessible by the college University of Utah disclosed. The attack encrypted the servers in the University of College of Social and Behavioral Science Department as part of the attack to threat actors stole unencrypted data before encrypting computers. Uh, So University of Utah pays up almost half a million dollars to get their data back and not have it posted on on the web. And we do have a HIPAA breach to report. AI company exposed, that's artificial intelligence company, exposed 2.5 million patient records over the internet. A personal and health information, the personal and health information, more than 2.5 million patients has been exposed online, according to technology and security consultant Jeremiah Fowler. The records were discovered on July 7th in two folders that were publicly accessible over the internet and required no passwords to access data. Folders were labeled as staging data and had been hosted by an artificial intelligence company called Sense AI, a company that provides SaaS, that's software as a service-based intelligent process automation management solutions. The folders were hosted on the same IP address as the Sense website and could be accessed by removing the port from the IP address, which could be done by anyone with an internet connection. 
The data could have been viewed, altered, or downloaded during the time it was accessible. An analysis of the data suggests it was collected from insurance companies and relate to individuals who had been involved in automobile accidents and had been referred for treatment for neck and spinal injuries. The data was quite detailed, included patient names, addresses, dates of birth, policy numbers, claim numbers, diagnosis notes, payment records, date of accident, and other information. The majority of the individuals in the data set appeared to be from New York. In total, there were 2,594,261 records exposed across the two folders. Fowler identified extremely uncommon names and performed a Google search to verify those individuals were real, checking the name, region, and demographic data. Fowler was satisfied that this was a real data set and not dummy data. Fowler made contact with Sense via email, and while no response was received, the data was no longer accessible on July 8th. Fowler suspects that the data had been temporarily loaded into a storage repository prior to being loaded into Sense's management or AI system. There was no way of determining how long the data had been exposed. Currently, there is no breach notice on Sense website, and the incident has not appeared in the HHS Office of Civil Rights website. Fowler said they only accessed, he only accessed a limited amount of data for verification purposes and did, did not download any patient information. However, during the time the folders were exposed, it is possible that other indiv- individuals may have found and downloaded the data. Data leaks such as this are all too common misconfigurations of cloud resources such as, such as S3 buckets and Elasticsearch instances frequently leave a sensitive data exposed. Cybercriminals are constantly searching for exposed data, and it does not take long for data to be found. Once study conducted by Comparatech showed that it takes just a few hours for exposed Elasticsearch instances to be found. Cloud services offer many advantages over on-premises solutions, but it is essential for protections to be put in place to secure any cloud data and for policies and procedures to be implemented to allow misconfiguration to be rapidly identified and corrected. So now, um, I think this is going to be an area that's going to become more and more of an issue, you know, two and a half million records exposed. I think we're going to see that the Office of Civil Rights is going to start looking at these more and potentially come down hard on companies that do this. You know, you set up an S3 bucket or an Elasticsearch instance and you're not properly protecting it, um, which doesn't really take a lot, but you're not doing it and you're exposing two and a half million records. That is a big problem. And I, I expect that at some point the Office of Civil Rights will begin to start enforcing HIPAA breach rules on these companies as well for that purpose. Um, and you know, th- so this is something that needs to be needs to be thought of more often when you're doing your security risk analysis and so forth. Um, that is going to do it for today's p- podcast. Until tomorrow, stay healthy, stay safe, and stay secure.